Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the hero to my protagonist, Mr. Shaheen Alvani! Oh, you faded in the end there. <laughs> I ran out of air. Thing. What happened there? <laughs> they ran out of air. <laughs> that little guy? I wouldn't worry about that little guy. Um, also, what the full fuck is happening with a Mountain Dew in my hands? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. Courtesy of our friends is, at American Honda. For, yeah. American Honda, what are you doing? It's 8. What time is it? 8.26 oh, p.m. Yeah. And I've got a Mountain Dew in my hands. So I'll probably fall asleep somewhere around 4 in the morning. I still got to go to work tomorrow, Jensen. What are you doing to me? I got to work tomorrow too, man. Yeah, but you get up at like two and they're like, hey, I'm ready for lunch. No, I get up at like four because Cut a Kitty is a sadist. Fuck cat. Don't you love anything? There's nothing just, sacred to you? She's a horrible human being. Well, you know, there's your first problem. She's a she's what they call a flyin. It's like a little F-bomb lion. Flyin. Shaheen. Yeah. When the deliverator's car puts the hammer down, shit happens. Oh, what's going on? The Deliverator's car has big sticky tires with contact patches the size of a fat lady's thighs. Ooh, I like thick. Yeah, thick. Like T-H-I-C-C-C-C-C-Z, thick. For the people that know, you know. You know. You know. You know. A little inside, a little inside baseball on this one. <laughs> what is going on, sir? We are, we are, we're doing it. We're here. We're, we're podcasting. Doing it. We're doing it. I'm doing it well. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of nice updates in the world of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of speculations. Mm-hmm. There's a, a certain big fat bike that I'm excited to see uh, make a comeback. Thick. 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 So thick. Uh, do you have any news you can share with us? My namesake. Not yet. <sighs> Next week. Teaser, teaser. Next week. Teaser. 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 It's going to be really disappointing if that falls through and we just like tease nothing. Yeah. Vaporware. Vaporware. So vaporware. what's the big news? Nothing. Mind your own fucking business. That's Sheen's what's up. pregnant. It happens finally. It's puppies. Um, pregnant with Mountain Dew. What if that is like the whip? Mm, just take that back out of the universe. I just can't play with fire like that. I mean, you kind of, you already stuck your in it. So, oh, it's so good. It's the Mountain Dew. Well, I don't understand. I don't, why am I drinking it and enjoying it? First of all, I've missed you so much. It's like pure syrup. They forgot to put any like water in this. You know why I like Mountain Dew? It why? tastes like a melted otter pop. <laughs> And it just takes me back to my childhood. <laughs> you almost had Mountain Dew on your couch then. <laughs> <laughs> Better not. I fucking love that couch. <laughs> That's Belgian linen, Shaheen. It's like you got to dry clean only that shit. This this couch is like this couch is like. It it seems it's so comfortable, but it seems a little fragile. Like I know you're nervous right now because I'm holding this Mountain Dew over the couch as opposed yeah. to yeah. No, it's there. um it's definitely an adulting couch. It's not a college couch. What are you doing with it? This is not. We're not an adulting household. No barely uh, hold it together yeah uh yeah i'm very very nervous with your mountain dew situation i saw right you now. roll up to my shop whoop, whoop. on a just a handsome uh bike that clearly doesn't know what color it wants to be <laughs> but true. regardless it has three i counted three different shades of gold uh white blue and some kind of a reddish with the continent of africa on the sides of it we're talking of course about the uh new africa twin it is the it is a 2020 
Honda Africa Twin Sport mm-hmm. ES mm. DCT. Whoa. Wait. All the letters all the time. Honda loves lots of letters. They're, I think, well, I think they saw Aprilia getting a little drunk with it. And they're like, <laughs> like hold, APRC, huh? hold on. That's cool. APRC. I got your APRC yeah, right here. APRC <laughs> RSV4 1100 DC5 9000. Hold my sake, motherfucker. Yeah. So they got a little, they got a little cray cray with it. Um, <laughs> Do you think Honda likes letters or buttons more? Because I tell you man, what, there's a lot of buttons. I think I counted a dozen buttons on the left hand alone. Those handlebar clusters are straight off the Goldwing. That's just there's <laughs> so like an like, old school. I'm Goldwing. looking for like the CB radio button when I'm looking at those things. You're like Ducati's like we've got a joystick, and BMW's like we got the little wheel. Honda's like hold my sake, I got buttons. There's a lot of. Buttons. I don't know motorcycles, but I know buttons, and this thing's got a lot of fucking buttons. Yeah. That thing's, that being said, though, it is handsome. It's, you should see my garage. It's like Tetris down there. I am dying to see what you've done down there. It's, yeah. that's a lot of, that thing's got a big old, did you take the bags off of it? Nope. That's a lot of thickness. It's a lot of thick. Uh, Honda, you know, it's interesting. They were kind of like, here, if you're going to test one, test one with all the things on it. All the things. They didn't give me fog lamps, though. What the hell, Honda? You know? Jesus. Try to 99% complete bike. Help a brother out. You don't think there's <laughs> fog in Oregon? Is that what's going on? But they gave you some knobbies, so we're going to throw those on the bike. Hell yeah. Uh, going to go adventure. Go maybe play in some mud and snow at some point. I was going to say, you know, we had the snow. Like, I didn't get it in time for the snow, but that would have been fun and there's, possibly there's, horrible. I, I promise you it's still up there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but we had we had snow down here, which is which is why this episode is called Snow Crash. Oh, I don't like that name. I don't want to crash in the snow. That hurts. you not a Neil Stevenson fan? Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that at all. No. Just way over my There's like one head. person was like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> one guy's like, finally, you, somebody you, said it. <laughs> you big nerd. <laughs> what a loser. Good no, book. you're not. You're amazing. Good book. You should read it. Um, so anyways, the Africa Twin. Um, big. <laughs> yeah. Very big. Like, <laughs> make my Multistrada feel not so big. Uh, it's mighty. Is... You've got the bigger, like, extended range fuel tank. So when you get the ES Sport, the whole point of that bike is, I guess, like, it's a longer range because you have a bigger fuel tank. You've got tubeless wheels on it because that's the only way you can get those tubeless, by the way. I was looking into it. Mm. If you get a base model, it comes with old-fashioned uh, spoke wheels, which, okay, whatever. Um, so many buttons. You have buttons. Is there a button to, like, wave to people? Uh, I... He okay. I don't mind buttons. My biggest peeve on that motorcycle, and I immediately got to after I sat on it, was like, there's just like it's not intuitive. But I'm sure, like any other vehicle, after you ride it for a day or two, you'll be like, all right, this button does this, this series of buttons do this, and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of buttons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it so this is kind of like the more touring oriented version right. of the africa right. twin uh if you were really like just kind of like a hard nose like off-roader you'd probably want to get the base model yep so all in with the dct uh i want to say it's like 558 pounds off the top of my head the dct is like 30 pounds dang uh 20 30 pounds something like that um that's their wet weight curb weight whatever they call it weight curb weight yeah okay yeah, uh, you're gonna be in for eighteen grand on it. Uh, not uh, a not a cheap bike, but I was you know I was kind of well, sitting it's down. A lot of value for the money. You're getting a lot of buttons for that money. You are getting a lot. I mean, like if you break it down like dollars per buttons, that's pretty good value. That's not bad. That's yeah. that's pretty much pinnacle for the industry. Have you figured out any of the buttons yet? Some of them. I figured out what that star button does. What is it? Please do tell. It's I was like confused. a user 
programmable like it's the favorites button. oh so you can make it be like your traction on off switch button if you're gonna go adventuring a lot or yeah i don't know if it'll I, don't, I haven't gotten into like what exactly you can set it to. Like right now, it's set to adjust the traction control levels. Okay. So if I just hit it, it'll go through the traction control levels. Um, I do love the very uh, complex and handsome large TFT screen that is immediately flanked by like a 1985 Casio yeah. digital, you know, segmented digital uh, <laughs> LCD screen in the bottom that tells you the speedometer, which is kind of redundant. I guess they imagine. Well, the fun part is, is you can make them the two speedometers show different speeds. There's oh. a little bit of a delay. There's a little bit of math, <laughs> like who's round and where. Uh, so you're like, well, I'm doing 34 and 35 miles an hour at the same time. Uh, I did figure out what that th- that's about, though. Oh, so I'm that, glad that TFT. So it, it does have CarPlay. Oh, it does. Uh, cool. it's, a t- it's a touchscreen TFT, which is Ooh. really cool. Uh, so you can you can get your CarPlay map thing whatever pandora whatever you're doing over there your text messages you right. can you can probably your map you can probably sext while you're riding because you got so many buttons you can well, yeah you can press the buttons if you yeah. have the right you know up, up, plus plus minus up down triangle square ba select start mm-hmm. yeah um so you can have that up on the tft and then the the casio watch will still show you your you know your <laughs> dash uh, your, your base sorry speed. your speed your odometer and uh it has like the status lights on it as well so it's kind of like kind of makes sense kind of doesn't but kind of makes sense so i guess that kind of makes the buttons an interesting another question for me though if it's touchscreen and you can pretty much do everything via just tapping on it why so many buttons why not just have a joystick or i mean there's people that are clearly paid more money than you and i to figure that shit out that being said it looks like a well-made bike I do, I do like riding it. I, I didn't get a very long stint the on it. The motor sounds good, even with that giant exhaust on it. It sounds yeah. good. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds linear and beefy. It's um, it's an interesting bike. Does it VTEC, bro? Oh uh, no, no VTEC. Right? It's Honda without VTEC. Come on, come on, man. How do you know <laughs> what's what's gonna kick in? Yeah, uh, like, like it goes brap. That's what I want to hear. It's um, it's an interesting bike in a lot of ways because. I'm going to throw out a, a controversial idea. Ooh, okay. This is a middleweight adventure bike. <laughs> that is... It is uh, 1,084 cc's, and I will call it a middleweight adventure bike. Are you are you calling it middleweight just by the, the for the sake of its engine size? I'm calling it middleweight just in terms of what it's going to end up competing with. Because... No, but, but, I mean... Hold on. Hold okay, on your butt cheeks. All right, all right. My butt cheeks clench right now. It's 101 time. horsepower. It's uh, 18 grand. It's 500 and what did I say? 553 pounds. I'm looking oh, at the stats now. Right. Um, when you start looking in to what other bikes line up just on the spec sheet, if you just kind of like forget engine size and configurations and all that stuff, if you're looking at similar power, similar weight, and most importantly, similar price, you start getting in with Ducati Multistrada 950S with spoke wheels BMW F850 GS Adventure, um, uh, the Triumph 900 Rally Pro, uh, an interesting one, Yamaha Super Tenere ES. What? Or so it's 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 kind of like like it, especially on the price. Like I'm I'm sitting there. That, that's a middleweight category bike. And if you look at Honda's lineup. Above it, they have the VFR 1200. And if you start looking at that. Is that still that, around? That's still like barely. 
I forgot about that. Bike. They listed as a 2017 model on their site, which is correct. <laughs> so they're it's like, like, guys, we have some leftover. I think they forgot to be like, hey, we got to put a 2021 in front of that. But um, <laughs> when you look at that and you're like, that's kind of, I mean, it, it doesn't perform great on specs, but that's very similar to a Multistrada V4 uh, in terms of I mean, it's the, engines it's and sizes right? and right. pricing. Well, pricing is pretty cheap, but uh, weights. It's interesting. I, you know, I uh, Honda's lineup is very this cat this category is super interesting, Shaheen. It is I want to talk to you a bit about it because it's super interesting. Very, very interesting. But I don't know if I agree with you that it's in the middleweight category because the other bikes don't weigh 554 pounds. They do though. So wait, and F, uh, remember, uh, remember. Uh, I mean, I really should have written down how much it was. It's like 20 or 30 pounds for the DCT. So take the DCT out. If just say it's a base model okay, Africa so it's, twin. Let's say 520 pounds then without the DCT. Just round it up. 520. Yeah. yeah. So well, my multi-1260 Enduro weighs 525 pounds. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Not really, because the multi-strata 950S with spoke wheels is 518. The BMW 850GS Adventure is 538. The KTM, oh, I didn't get to the KTM, but the Suzuki uh V-Strom 1050, that's 545. The Triumph is 500 pounds. So we like it's right there. Wait, so are we going to start calling like the KTM 790 and the maybe upcoming uh, Touareg lightweights? I think the KTM 890 is also a middleweight, especially when you look at the price. And that's why I say this category is so interesting because that's why that KTM is such a game changer. Because I think this category, this middleweight adventure bike category is stupid because like there isn't a big weight difference between your 1260 enduro there really is that 950s with spoke wheels and there should be for for a 300 cc displacement difference there should be a, a weight difference right 100%. there should be there should be a stratification and i think a lot of the brands have kind of failed to do that it's the same with bmw look at the bmw offerings why is that parallel twin engine so freaking heavy why is that why is that package so heavy yeah um it's almost like a, uh, I don't know, like something you get to show off. Like, look at this big, heavy. Yeah. So you a- see ADV. someone like KTM come in with the 890 Adventure R and blow it out of the water with, you know, a sub 500 pound bike that still makes, you know, 110 horsepower, uh, makes a little bit over that. So it's it's like class leading horsepower, class leading weight, class leading features. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, you know, even if you tack on all the electronic stuff that you have to pay extra for it's still going to be like a sub fifteen thousand dollar motorcycle or right around there while everyone else is touching on eighteen thousand right i mean just about everyone's 18 grand here except the uh the suzuki and the triumph i kind of want you to bring your your scale to the shop again so we can weigh i want to weigh because i'm reading a spec sheet right now on the multi 1260 enduro so my bike fully loaded up with bags and everything at 560 pounds that's the that's that's and, wet weight and and Ducati yeah and Ducati says five twenty five without the bags on it without like and they're and I think Ducati cheats a little bit their wet weight their curb weight is without fuel or maybe just a gallon or so of fuel curb weight should be with a ninety percent full fuel tank but yeah I'll come down with the with the uh, I, I need some real science scales yeah because um, there's a lot that's the other thing like, there's a lot of like wet like weirdness see right here it's like saying. 496 dry. We already know that there's like, how big is your fuel tank? Like five pounds, five my, gallons? My fuel tank is almost eight gallons. 7.9 so gallons. That's like almost 45 pounds right mm-hmm. there. 
Like, yeah, I don't know like, how you can sit there and be like, oh, Rick's out light. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> curb you know, weight. I, I curb weight is 560. Up. Yeah. And so what, what did I say? The, the 554 or something like that? 518. So there's a there's a 40 pound difference. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's good. That makes a little that's bit a more lot sense. Of weight. Some yeah. of that's fuel, but that makes a little bit more sense. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that's always like, I think fucked up this category is these bikes are so heavy. Yeah. And so you look at like KTM and like you brought up the Aprilia, the Turek 660, that's going to be a 400 pound bike. Yeah. You know, it might be, I mean, you look at the RS 660 and the Tuono and they're like right at 403 wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think have bigger spoked wheels on there. So yeah, they're, they're heavier. I think it's going to gain some weight. You know, I bet just, that'll be sub 440. I think that's fair. I think that's really fair. I think that's going to compete directly with the KTM, I guess, 890 as far as weight. And then what's the uh, what's the Yamaha Tenere way? Because it's pretty oh my light, God. too. I, I don't know the weight of that thing, but I've written one, and it's a tank. That that may be heavier than the BMW uh, R1250 GSA. It feels it anyways. Even if it's not, it just feels it. Here's the thing with these bikes. I mean, they're ultimately like giant touring bikes that are off-road capable to a degree. And so, you know, as soon as you start putting all these luxury things on there, it just weighs it down. You know, you you can get on a Tenere 700 and have the basic adventure bike. But at the same time, I don't think you want to hop on that thing and ride it for 2,000 miles cross country and like, you know, do all that other stuff. It's just not made for that. So as soon as you start adding all these accoutrement on there to make the bike more luxury steed, I mean, that Honda or my Multistrada or a BMW or a big KTM 1290, you can sit on those things for days. And just ride them and ride them and ride them. And then if you find a gravel road you really like and you want to kind of go and do some, I would say maybe up to like a blue trail, you could. If you really had the wits about you and didn't mind picking up a 560-pound bike once in a while. Wet weight on the Yamaha Tenere 700 is 452. That's great. That's to think that the Aprilia may be about that weight, but potentially put out almost 100 horsepower. Yeah, it'll make more power. It'll probably be it'll probably be lighter, and it'll have all the electronics. The the, the kicker is going to be price. You know, the, I would, the, I would, the Yamaha is going to be like four grand cheaper, probably. But I would bet that that Aprilia won't really crest thirteen grand. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think like it'd be a twelve four ninety nine kind of bike. Yeah, totally. Because they could do that and still be a bargain. Yeah, for what you're getting. I think. I think. Fuck, I, they could have a 13 grand, still be a bargain. I think I wrote the story today or yesterday. Like I was like, it's gonna be bracketed right in between that Tenere 700 and that KTM 890 Adventure Base model. Yeah. So that's you know in between 10 and 13. And that's a sweet spot between. I mean, yeah. those both those bikes are sweet bikes. So if you can get right in the middle of those things and kind of get the best of both worlds, oh my gosh, sign me up. That's I would. A, I would give up the Multistrada for that bike. Big words. Yeah. Oh. That's the category. Like that's. That's why this category is so weird because bikes like that are just flipping it on their heads. Yeah. And everybody's got some kind of game in it at this point. I mean, some, except some are more, some except are more for capable. <laughs> uh, I guess they kind of had the Versys, but it's still not like the big wheel version. They don't have they don't have a, a big bike. They've got the Versys. Right. They've got the, the KLR 650, which we should talk about. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but they don't have like a proper like... 1200 cc globe trotting which i'm really surprised thing. at thing because they did the versus 1000 but it was just more of a road-ish bike i like when people try and tell me the versus 1000 was uh, an adventure bike and you're like no it's designed to look like an adventure bike but it's definitely a road bike it's got fuck all for uh, ground clearance and it's got 17 inch wheels so no uh, 
what I would love. It would have been cool if they did like a KLR 1000 or something. Yeah, that's what they need. That would have been a cool bike. Weird, but cool. Of a single. 1000cc single. <laughs> oh How God. great would that be? Just vibrate you to death. <laughs> Just some <laughs> huge insane. fucking oh paint God. jug thumper. That would be great. <laughs> Someone should get on that idea. I really, I, I, I got to tell you, I really expected them to make like a Versi 650 adventure, like with 21-inch front and 18-inch rear on it. They do. It's called the KLR. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, right? Uh, we should talk about that. We should definitely talk about that. I mean, I, I'm not like a huge KLR fan. I, I There is like a weird cult following with this bike. I feel like people ride KLRs just to say they've done it. It's like a rite of passage. It's like if you're a car person, you should have owned a Fiat or or some kind of a Alfa Romeo at some point just to feel the pain. It's uh, <laughs> it's an important bike, though. It's it's definitely got a cult following. It broke some people's hearts when it wasn't listed uh, for the current model year. Right. And then I think Kawasaki kind of salvaged themselves, at least here in the, the American market. It's not coming to Europe uh, from the sounds of Wait, it. Wait, really? Yeah, it sounds like it's just coming here. Wow. You're telling me there's that much of a falling in the U.S. market just for that little bike? I'm impressed. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because they did make some pretty substantial changes. Like they, they added fuel injection. Whoa. Uh, which is kind of like a like slow clap at welcome. Way welcome to, to the 20th the, century. Kawasaki like, has always been about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they will <laughs> let a thing ride for 20 plus years. It's <clears> amazing <throat> that there's some motorcycles that are still carbureted. They're out there. Sherco. Sherco still has carbureted. Like all their dirt bikes are uh, Suzuki DRZ 400. <laughs> still, <laughs> like, that bike's still. gone unchanged for almost as long as I have been alive. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so yeah, they made a lot of improvements to to the KLR. It definitely got. Um, I was about to say it got like a modernization. That might be a stretch of the words. I mean, it's it, going to have ABS and fuel injection. This bike is basically a 2021 bike incarnate. Optional ABS, Shaheen. <laughs> uh <laughs> i actually can't believe that's not mandated to be a, a standard option on all bikes now it is in europe not here though well, we're having it? a hard enough time just keeping people to put helmets on what do you think <laughs> what do you think abs would look like ah, freedom <laughs> right um this bike is a lot of things handsome is a very uh let's call it subjective word it's very utilitarian super utilitarian i do like the color uh, the color is interesting there's like very hey KLR. let's just make this beige it's interesting that it doesn't come in green. There's no green. At, it'll it'll at some point. At, at first glance, I didn't think they changed the design at all. I had to really look. I'm like, oh, no, that's actually like no, more modern yeah. lines of an old KLR. It's got a LED lights. It's got a LCD dash. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's some stuff. Like, you know, you make you make a laugh. You make a joke. But, like, there's some there's some pretty smart. There's definitely updates on this Little bike. updates. And it's still cheap. It's like, what, 6,200, 6,300? This is the original Globetrotter, by the way. We want to talk about putting cruise control and this and that and the other on a 600-pound uh, touring bike. There's so many instances of people traveling the globe on these fucking things. It blows my mind. This is like the mule of the motorcycle world. It'll, oh, yeah. It'll eventually get you there. Oh, yeah. 100%. And that's, I think, why it's such like a motorcycle that's endeared itself into like a, a right. population of riders. Yeah. Because it's just, yeah. You're like, you're like you said, it is the donkey. Oh, yeah. This is the Ford Ranger of motorcycles, man. It'll never go away. <laughs> it's a Ranger. Didn't the Ford Ranger go away for a little bit? It did, but it came back. <laughs> yeah, it came back. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about this too much. What? Because we've talked about it the last two shows. What is it? But finally official Triumph Speed Triple 1200 RS. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's everything we thought it would be, and yeah. then some. I yeah. am super excited for it. I really like it a lot. I don't like the tail. That's the only thing I don't like about it. Yeah, I kind of agree with like you. Like everything else about it is so aggressive and this and that. And the tank has got these cool lines in the tail. They were like, nah, it's just a tail. I would agree. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't. It's just when you see the old one, you're like, the old one looked better, right? But otherwise, I I dare say I even like the stock exhaust. I don't think it looks bad. I am really excited about the spike. You know, I'm I'm glad that all the little spy infos that we had came true. It, it looks good. It, it looks great on paper. I can't wait to ride one. Triumph just has the best dash, I think, right now. And then they the do. They look so good. They do. Look, I mean, I would stare at that all day. That's pretty. BMW's got a pretty good one. They've got a good one. What I like about Triumph is they also have a GoPro control connectivity oh. in, in built into the dash. Going to be a hooligan. Which just seems super smart. Like, I don't yeah. understand why other brands don't have that. Everyone's got a GoPro camera now. This this is a damn good looking bike. I'll even forgive the tail section. I'd rock it. I'd totally rock it. I like this bike a lot. I get I get I get down with it. I get down with the thickness. <laughs> <laughs> like the thighs. <laughs> uh I do like that they chose the most generic colors possible. <laughs> so Did I you don't... want agreeable gray or hey, always black? At least it's not that pink color they had like back in two thousand and two or whatever that was. Oh, no, like, they should do that. They should get just <laughs> downright nineteen nineties with it. Fluorescent everything. I I agree. Just have fun with it. Just it's a hooligan get, bike. Yeah, just get fucking silly. I'm just don't make black bike. I mean, do make it once in a while, but it's just like, all right, that's cool. It's a black bike. Yeah, definitely. Murdered out. Cool. I Neat. mean, <laughs> black bikes matter, but you got to yeah, have some other colors in there. You know, give me some pink. Give me some yellow. Give me some orange. Something. Give me some. You got to have at least one ostentatious some color. Tec like, color. Like, great example, Aprilia with that acid green nonsense. Yes. Is I love it a lot. It's just so right in your face. Yeah. This thing, like, give me a Union Jack tank, man. That would look cool on this thing. I like it a lot. I like it so much. They did good. They did good. This um, is probably my second favorite naked hooligan bike right now. I haven't even ridden it yet, but I know I like it. 18300 And that is to put tasty it in your garage. because my favorite one has got about a $6,000 Delta. Street Fighter. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to get that out of my throat. I was just waiting for the, for the plug. <laughs> Hold on, let me drink. That's a good price for for the top of the line. The, the, it doesn't have the electronic suspension. It does not, which uh, is interesting. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I probably I, I probably care that it doesn't have it. Uh, I find it really interesting that I'm the actually. Tiger Nine Hundred Rally Pro doesn't have electronic suspension. Rally Pro does That's not. That's their have top it. of the line Tiger Nine Hundred. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I've seen some brands do stuff like that, and I almost feel like they think there's more probably more control over a static suspension setup where you just set it up for your specific style of riding and let it be yeah there might be a pricing like you look at the triumph sorry to like loop back into this middleweight <laughs> adventure thing my mind's been percolating on it all day percolating percolating um when you look at that triumph it looks really good on paper with the mm -hmm. price mm -hmm. you know it makes good power it's pretty light it's got a lot of features you got to throw a couple optional things to catch up with some of the other bikes. But right. even when you do that, it's still, I think it's like 15.8 or something like that. But no electronic suspension. Electronic suspension is like two grand. So you're like, that's how you're getting the price down. Yeah. And I mean, that that's probably their game. I mean, even with this uh, speed triple, they probably didn't want to surpass the $19,000, $20,000 price range. Because I, I mean, this is their way of undercutting, say, like an Aprilia Tuono. Yeah. Aprilia Tuono, a Street Fighter, or a KTM Super Duke. Yeah. Um, 
I just, you know, they already have like multiple trim levels, especially like look at the Tiger 900. It's got so many trim levels. There should be so one many. model. There should be at least one model that has it. You know, you can say like, hey, like our Speed Triple S is like our value bike. Like, yeah, it doesn't right. have the electronic suspension, but it's got the quick shifter. It's got the traction control. It's got all the corner and ABS things. 15 grand. Boom. There you go. Yeah. And then here's the like $20,000, you know. But at least it comes with Olins, right? Comes with Olins. Uh, comes with Brembo Stalma calipers. Oh, I can't Which remember. Which is not like the highest end of Brembo, but it works. Oh, that's the highest you can get on the street. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's the Stalma R, but there's like... Yeah, you don't need that. Va- basically, it's no overkill. difference. Um, but there's really, like, truthfully, there's not a big difference between the Stalma and the M50, uh, and there's not a big difference between the M50 and the M432 or whatever it's called. Also, I love the fact that this bike only weighs 436 pounds wet. Yeah. That's a, it's that's a, light a proper bike. street bike right there. They cut uh, 20 pounds off that. Fucker. I am dying to ride one of these. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean that oh, that's three cylinder. I know that exhaust looks okay on there, but that would be the first thing I get rid of. I want to hear that thing howl. Such a nice looking bike. Big big fan. Good job, Triumph. Yeah, and they crushed it. Um, I'm really happy with with all the things on that. Let's come out with some cool colors, y'all. Come on now, do the thing. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. what else came out? KTM 1290 Super Venture S. No your, surprises your, uh, there. Your standard on a. Adventure touring bike. That's the Jensen uh, perfect score right there. Yeah. Man, one bike to rule them all. And they, they made some smart updates to that. It's not anything too revolutionary. It's nothing too crazy. Uh, <laughs> I like that all their photos is just somebody hooning around on it. Like, like this, the, the, the most adult of the KTM bikes. And they're like, check it out. Go sideways. Do wheelies. <laughs> what was it someone described? It's like, just close your eyes and pretend it's an oversized supermoto. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I mean, it does the job really, really well. Man, talk about lcd displays though holy moly yeah what is this like a it's a seven inch ipad pro <laughs> fuck's sake that's huge it's amazing you can play snake on it <laughs> I, I always wonder about the longevity and the toughness of these super intricate tft dashes because like you know if you're gonna ride this thing properly and take it out there and do all kinds of shit with it it's gonna go through the rain through the dust through the mud you know super hot sun but like my personal one's still working after thirty thousand miles of all the above you know i haven't heard of a single model out there that really has like an issue with their yeah. with their dashes in terms of like ruggedness i'm impressed with that that's, uh, that's actually i always worried about that being an issue and it never became one yeah um holy moly ktm what's up with this this ex, this is a water cooler or an exhaust what's going on here oh yeah that's um that's, that's where the badgers live Wow. Just a little nest for the Badgers. That's a, that's a big, that's a Euro 5 exhaust. That is that definitely is. Euro 5. I mean, it's funny because like, you know, a lot of brands just sort of hide that and they put a giant collector underneath the bike. Yeah. Just so they can have a svelte little thing on there. But these guys are like, nah, it's just right there. That's where it goes. Yeah, there it is. Warm your feet on it. Um, made some changes to the chassis. Motor's pretty much unchanged. It is lighter. Um, they changed the casings around a little bit. Ooh. Do I see a radar type thing up? Uh, yes. That's the big thing is they, they got the Bosch adaptive cruise control at the front. Okay. That's kind of like the the headline change. Right. Um, but, you know, pretty much it's just little little things here and there to, to make it better. It's so funny to me on these adaptive cruise radars, you know, like the new Multistrada and this thing, and I imagine BMW is right there next. Yeah. Um, that they're sort of plainly in sight like you can see it this is sitting underneath the the headlight cluster the ducati one sits like on, on top of the beak we'll see what bmw does with it i am 
They'll probably just put two on each cylinder head. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like amazing. stereo. The thing of it is, like, uh, in a lot of cars, now they've figured out how to sort of tastefully hide that. Like, on my truck, it sits behind the emblem, the Toyota emblem. You never see it. It's there, though. And so I'm, I'm wondering if the next iteration of this, let's say in 2020, I don't know, three or four, it'll have this, but it'll be hidden so you don't have to see this box this sitting little, like this look at all these lines there and then there's just this box there it's kind of got like a little darth vader look to it though well like even when the ducatis the first thing i noticed i'm like it's really cool you guys came up with this really neat design but because this is such a cool exciting piece of tech you want to show it off so you just put it up front and it's just this box i think that's it though i think it's like you want to show it off so you're not going to hide it right so but by the next generation everyone's going to have it be like all right now hide this shit yeah. you don't have to look at it yeah i think i think that's exactly what's going on it's interesting to me. It's like writing EFI on the back of cars back in the day. We get it. It's got electronic fuel injection. I hope the KLR has EFI on there somewhere. Oh, please. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. I haven't heard any pricing on the KTM. I bet I bet it'll go up a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, they'll find a way. Oh, easily. Because what, what was the price increase for the radar on the Ducati? Thousand bucks, eight hundred bucks. It's by the time you install it, it's about a thousand bucks. I yeah. think it's like eight hundred fifty dollars plus in, plus like an hour, hour and a half install. So call it a thousand bucks total. That's the only thing I worry about. Like I don't really want to pay a thousand dollars more for this to, if you don't want it on the KTM. I mean, oh. like it's not really an option. Although hmm. of note, uh, KTM USA does not list a twenty twenty one model for the Super Venture S. So I don't know if oh. we're getting the fancy one this new one this year or not but because KTM's weird like that when they import to the usa they don't always bring the new bikes right away i wonder why because they're were they like not selling bikes immediately or what's the story there's there's words that okay i could throw at them for that Ooh. Um, i mean that's your job you're a wordsmith by trait now yeah i just they're just very conservative that's probably the most polite way i can describe it like i they legitimately just want to see like how old does that bike sell in Europe? Yeah. We're not going to import it until like you kind of prove the market for it over there. It's so funny because they're two very different markets. We have wide open roads. Like the, this bike is perfect for us. Yeah. It's got all the power. It's got all the abilities, it's got all the distance uh, capability. And like we have all that here. This bike should outsell the BMW in my opinion. Absolutely. It does not come anywhere close to that. Nope. No, that is not a, a, a product follower. Problem. That is a marketing problem. That's, that's a, not a product. That's a problem. cult follower. That's the, the the BMW. According to the BMW owner, is the best bike on the planet. Such much like a Harley Davidson. According to Harley owner, is the best bike on the planet. They have they've drank the Kool Aid. They've tapped directly into their veins, and that's uh, that's on the BMW side. Damn near forty years worth of marketing now. Yeah. So like everybody else is a newcomer. Ducati wants to conquest with this new V4, but you know that's that's going to take time. The the enduro style bike in Ducati has only been around for five years now. 2016 is when it got introduced. It's fresh. And I, and I would throw the same thing at Ducati and say like, you did a horrible job. Yeah, horrible job marketing the the Multistrada, especially the Multistrada Enduro. I agree. Uh, Multistrada does okay on sales, but the Enduro just lags. And you're like, it's a good bike. It's a good bike yeah. to do the the dual sporty adventure thing on. And it's, you know, just this, so you make such a perfect point. I mean, I've, I've sort of been yelling and screaming about that since the day it came out. But incidentally, like at our shop, we do really good with that bike because there is a couple of us that ride them and we talk about it all the time. And it's always in photos and, you know, there's a story behind it. But that's marketing. That's how you do it. Uh, whereas Ducati basically did like a couple of neat ads in the beginning and then crickets. Yeah, it just gets left behind. Yeah. They, they expect, a lot of these manufacturers expect their 
uh, their showrooms, their dealerships to do that sort of work themselves. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, like I remember a couple of years ago, Ducati's marketing uh, scheme was to just be in movies. Yeah. Because, you know, instead I just, of- I just watched like a couple like recently and I was just like, what an odd Ducati plug. Tron. Yeah, Tron. I was watching Tron. Tron. I mean, uh, uh, Chips, the newest Chips movie yeah. was like a Ducati ad. There's a, there's a couple scenes in Ballers. Yeah. They're just like, why is this guy on an ex Diablo yeah. for some reason? Expendables one. He shows up on a fucking Desmos Adichie. Yeah. And then the girl sat on the back of it. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to sit on the back of Desmos Adichie. The exhaust will burn your goddamn butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, oh, God. Anyway, so that's their, that's their, you know, marketing plan to kind of have a global larger viewership. I get it because a movie like Chips probably has like 20 million people watching it, oh, whereas such a bad movie. An ad for I mean, it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's so bad. It was just so egregiously marketing for Ducati. Like oh, there's no, a scene where everyone. the girl's like, "Oh, I could hear that L twin something something something." Like, shut the fuck. Like, as a fan <laughs> of a Ducati, I've already drank the clean. I want you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> there was a lot of marketing for a lot of motorcycle brands in that. You're just like, oh, so they paid you a bunch of money, so. That's why they didn't advertise with me this year. I mean, it's working I, for Audi. They're in every uh, they're in every movie. Is it working for sales? I, I don't know. I don't think it's working for Ducati sales. Uh, honestly, after chips, there was a lot of hyper motards that got sold. So at some what's level, it did work. What's a lot though, Shane? I mean, we sell like ten motorcycles a year, man. So like eight of them were hyper motards. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was we. There was definitely a you know if you looked at the graph, we kind of jokingly looked at it. and It was like oh, there was like. 30, 40% more hyper Mozart sales after that movie. And it was from people that had never bought a Ducati before. They were just like, oh, it looked really cool in that movie because the guy was doing like crazy jumps and like chasing each other around and drifting it and blah, blah, blah. And I want to have that like neat. Cool. We got it. How much was that ad spend though to get that in the movie? That's my question. I I wish I could find that out. And even 20, like let's say it's 30% sales increase. It's like, yeah, like it's like a hundred bikes. I don't know how many hyper Mozarts are sold here, but it's it's in the hundreds. It's not a lot. I so you're sure. like, so you sold an extra 30 bikes for that. How many millions of dollars? I bet they sold more than that. I mean, we sold, we as one dealership probably sold an additional 20 or 30 of those. Hypers. Uh-huh. Okay. No, they, they, I'm sure they sold way more of that than that. But I mean, I always think of, think back on, uh, like that long way down. Was it, the, was the first one long way down or around? Long way around. So, you know, they made kind of a showing of, you know, they wanted KTMs. They talked about yeah. openly. They wanted KTMs yeah. so bad. And then BMW stepped up. And I always think back, like, does not KTM... So much, not so much that BMW stepped up as much as KTM... Stepped down. Stepped down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, do you wonder, like, the conversation inside of K- headquarters at KTM on marketing, like, you dumb shits. Oh, if someone didn't lose their job over that... But then that, that, I mean, talk about an uptick in sales. There were suddenly more BMW GSs on the road. There were suddenly people just buying them and farkling them out and showing up at Starbucks to show off how many not, cool uh, features that thing has got. Not even like an uptick in sales. Like, Shaheen, like that started a movement. I yeah. think that movie is responsible for, for the adventure touring thing we're doing adventure now. adventure touring thing yeah. and, and for the GS being the pinnacle of that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So that's the kind of marketing I can get behind. I get it. You know, if you're doing it that way and it's got that global viewership, neat. But do that more often. I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be a movie like Biker Boys or some shit like that. Actually, do some neat stuff. I mean, you could just do a TV show on Apple TV Plus with like electric motorcycles that no one's going to watch. Crickets. 
just crickets. Did that ever actually come out? Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of it? Mm-mm. Are you gonna? Mm-mm. Come on, just a little bit. I have the service and I don't even care to watch it. Just, 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 just touch it. I just want to just, just like, get a little I, taste. I just don't care. Just the tip. Just don't care. Just the tip. I think the whole concept is stupid. Like, hey, you're going to go around. You're going to go from like South America <laughs> to the top of North America. <laughs> like think it's 90 miles. Yeah, range. like 50 miles at a time. That sounds riveting. I remember being so excited about that bike. I, I remember being super excited about the the idea of this Halo bike that was going to hopefully kickstart and kick open the doors to Harley doing more cool electronic motor electric motorcycles. And then nothing. You know, the Livewire, it's not a bad bike. But it is a disappointing bike. It's not bad. Like there's, there's, you don't, it's not like a zero. Like a zero is a disappointing bike, especially like the zeros, like five years or older. Don't, don't, don't get me started. They're just like, you just sit there and like, oh man, this is, this is just not fun to ride. Yeah. This is not well built. This has a lot of issues. It's overheating. It's not reliable. It has tires that are made out of plastic. It's the brakes feel like they're just two wooden blocks pushing against the brake disc you're, you're literally describing like a royal enfield except it costs tw- five times more. yeah five times more and like way less practical um well, they're really getting they're getting crazy next door <laughs> um friday night yo it is friday night, and there's a bar next door and they're hooting and hollering they, bought some over of that, they probably bought some of that game stock stock game <laughs> stop stock Man, that's hard to say game stop stock um where was it going? Oh, live wire. Yeah. So it's not like, like there's some things about it that are, they're not like that. They're not like the, the zero where you're like, oh, this is just miserable. It's a pretty good bike, but it was $28,000 yeah. and it wasn't a $28,000 bike. Like you get on that throttle, that throttle was like a rubber band. It was yeah. just nothing about that felt like you're connected to the motorcycle, which is a travesty because that's one of the great things about about electrics is you have this direct that throttle connection instant, yeah instant throttle connection and then you kind of get there and it's heavy and there's some kind of like not so premium components and you're like man i'm paying like 30 grand for a bike that should be seven yeah and that's just like oh what a disappointment and then you have all like the drawbacks of an electric which aren't too bad for like a city street roadster type bike like i think that format that the live wire is is Good for an electric bike. You're not going to go touring on it. But yeah. then, but then, like for your big promo thing, you get a bunch of guys that are going to go touring on it. Yeah, it makes no sense. And you're like, why? Why would you highlight like the no. the biggest weakness that this motorcycle has? It's like the next step would have been to get a bunch of motocrosser guys to go take it off sweet jumps. <laughs> you're like, let's let's just fucking tabletop it like over I don't know eighty buses. Like, why? Why would you do that? It's not a motocross bike. No, it's they were like forcing it almost. Mm. And it was just so contrived, and I, I kind of want to watch it just to see how bad it is. Mm. I, mean, I wonder if any of our listeners have watched it. And if you have, please write to us at webraptalk at gmail.com. Tell me your thoughts. We could hate watch it if you bring over Mondo. Okay. And pizza. We can we can do Oh, ooh. you bring, bring your nacho dip. I'll bring my nacho dip. <sighs> nacho dip. <laughs> I'll I'll work out for like four hours before you come over. You're oh, don't do that to yourself, man. I'll bring some pizza. Pizza's better for you, probably. That nacho dip so good, though. My mouth is salivating now. We got to stop the show. I'm hungry. <laughs> well, didn't we learn the lesson of not doing the show when we're hungry? I, we are not hungry. You are. I am. You're right. <laughs> that is a Jensen problem. Uh, speaking of Jensen problems, 
Indian FTR 1200 update. Hey, listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. That is probably one of my favorite looking motorcycles in the industry right now. That is a handsome ass piece of metal. And the 17 inch wheels make it look even tougher to me. You like it with the 17s? I do. Because also there's going to be better choices on tires. You don't have to adhere to that, you know, dirt tracker tire thing. I, I, mm. Mm. all right, thoughts, go ahead. And they're saying, you know, that the throttle issue is taken care of. So <laughs> that was your only complaint, Judson. That's not my only complaint. That I mean, was that my was like your complaint. biggest complaint. My, my, well, my second biggest complaint was them totally gaslighting me on that thing. <laughs> we don't know what you're talking Three about. Times. And you're like, like, really? You don't know what I'm talking about? Because every fucking bike I get on of yours has this issue. You think they'll send you another one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that ship sailed. But it's a new ship. So, to be fair, to be fair, everything I complained about with this bike, they addressed in some form or another. I wouldn't say they did everything to my complete satisfaction, (laughs) but they addressed it. Like, my biggest thing is like, this bike is still way overpriced. This should be a $10,000 base model bike. Really? Absolutely. Have you seen? What can you buy nowadays for $10,000? You got to see the base model. It's so rudimentary. Oh, really? So you sit there and you're just like, so I don't get the, uh, well, now it has fully adjustable suspension before it didn't. Oh, okay. So like before you're like, so I don't get adjustable suspension. I've got a dash that looks like it came from the eighties. <laughs> I've got like not premium components. I've got this throttle issue. Uh, the electronic had basically like no electronics. And so you just sit there and go like, why is this 13 grand? Like everything else in this category is around $10,000. It's, it's like an FZ09. It, it competed in my mind directly with an SU9, other than the styling. Right. And I will give them one thing with the with the 19 inch front wheel flat tracker look. I'm like, they were going for a look. They're going for that street yeah. tracker look, and I get it. You had like basically one tire that you could use on the bike. That's it. And that was kind of it. Yep. And that's it wasn't like a great tire. It looked good, but it wasn't a great tire. And so like moving to the 17 is like, I don't know. I don't think it changes the look too much and you are absolutely right like now you have this plethora right of tires that are going to be so much better and so much radder that it makes it you is know the fuel tank any bigger because i feel like that was one of the no. bike's biggest shortcomings no because i remember when i went to the one show they you know indian had a big standing there and they had one that was sort of dressed up like a touring bike bags and everything yeah they had this like tiny little fuel tank like this is, a, this is the equivalent of harley live wire touring yeah it's just in name only. Yeah. Cool and looking bike. I really, I, I still, I think this is one of the best looking bikes in the market. It's just so pretty. It's, yeah, yeah, I don't hate the way it looks. Like it aesthetically pleases me very much. I haven't ridden it at all, ever. So I have no idea what it rides like, but just looking at it, like I, this thing makes me happy. It's not a bad bike. It's another one that was like, it's not a bad bike. It's not like they totally blew it. I think, I think for, for me, like them coming out with that throttle issue mm-hmm. and taking so like, first of all, the bike should never come to market with that throttle issue. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't just like, oh, the mapping's not right. This was a bike that you could downshift going into a corner. And as you were like hitting the apex, the bike for no reason dies. would blip the throttle. Oh, God. You know, the throttle would surge. Oh, geez, and then, that's worse. yeah, the bike would die on you, too. Mm. Um, and it would have troubles starting when it was hot when it was cold and just in general <laughs> he just sit there and he's like this bike should never have come to market like this like this should have been hammered out in pre-production and then it took him like fucking two years to like fix it yeah and i think that's part of the reason why you don't see a lot of these on the road and then and then the price tag on top of it's really expensive and like now like 
you know, they, they've, like I said, like they've made a lot of things that I think make it better. I think the 17 inch wheels, you get better tires. They made the seat a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty tall bike. Now it's more approachable for shorter riders. Um, you have the new engine calibration. Okay. That hopefully fixes the throttle issues. Cro- crossing fingers for that. Um, what else is there? There's, it comes with all the, all the models now have adjustable suspension. So that's great. But you're still like for the carbon version, it's like seventeen thousand dollars. That is that is that is a lot of money. You know That's premium get? bike money. Yeah, you know what I'm gonna get instead of that? Triumph Speed Triple. Hell yeah. You know? Like you're in a territory like you're not even you're close excited. to punching right your way. You said that I'm like, hell yeah, get hell a speed yeah. triple. All right. Dang. We're gonna we're gonna hoon around. I mean, I think there's gonna be some buyers that are gonna be like, Well, it's American, so I'm gonna get that. So basically this bike starts at thirteen grand and jumps up to seventeen for Yeah. I guess the carbon version is just has all carbon fiber stuff on there or some carbon. It's got some, yeah, it's got some accoutrement. accoutrement. Uh, I think the sweet spot, like, like proper, like this is a proper motorcycle is the ass model. And that's 15 grand, mm-hmm. 15 grand. Like that's premium money. I'm probably looking at like a hyper motard. I'm probably looking at some other interesting bikes. Like there's it, it performance for dollars. There's a lot of better bikes on the market. Like you have to be kind of married to that. Like, Hey, I like this street tracker. Look, that's a weird segment though. That big twin. Yeah. Naked. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else has one. So triumph's got the 1200 Bonnie's Ducati's got the 1100 scramblers. These guys have this. Who else has a big twin, uh, sort of neoclassic style motorcycle. Honda Rebel 1100. <laughs> mm, but that's more of a cruiser. <laughs> it is. It totally is. So, but like, I mean, let's just say those three bikes that I just mentioned, they're all priced about up there. I think, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Ducati might be the cheapest of them all. I would say this is a sportier bike than a Bonneville. This is a sportier bike than a Scrambler. Um, you might make the argument with a Scrambler Cafe one. Well, no, I'm talking about the Scrambler 1100. Those are, those yeah. are fairly sporty but they're kind of big a little bit awkward yeah they make them almost 100 horsepower but eh. yeah but they're still like you know they're they're like 12 to sixteen thousand dollars essentially that is definitely the closest bike to this in the market yeah i still think the ftr is a sportier bike it's it's designed to be sporty it's a sportier riding position it's just the suspension's tighter i mean yeah it's got a less lazy uh geometry than the than the scrambler yeah and i don't don't know how much less lazy but water cooled it's making a little bit more power Yeah, I think the 1100 Scrambler is 84 or 86 horsepower, which is funny to me because it's the same motor they, they used to use back in the day, and those were 100 horses, so they've corked that up a bit. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the times have changed. <laughs> which is odd. It usually goes the other way. Well, I mean, you can think about that, though. Those bikes came out, and we're even in Euro 3. I don't think so. No. So, like, there's been a pretty significant change from, let's call it Euro 2, to euro five <laughs> yeah um just noise emissions alone has made it where they 120 just, horsepower sheets i mean, it's like it's almost a 50 percent power that's, increase that's a scrambler. lot of power um and they're they're, they're the chassis is fun and, and sprightly um I'm not, i don't want to like completely trash this bike because there's there are a lot of like glowing points for it i just i've always thought it was overpriced just always overpriced and you don't really you don't really get any value out of Jensen by saying it's made in America, especially when it comes out with the quality being subpar. That's the part that kills me. Yeah, I would like to see quality for that price. That that price tag better have some nice, as you call it, accoutrement. But like honestly, at the end of the day, I want to see better fit and finish. 
And if it's got that, you know, if, if you're selling a premium product at that price, then cool. But if you're selling a sub-premium product for a premium price, then you're just, you know, I guess as you put it, gaslighting people a little bit. Well, I mean, I say gaslighting because like, I like email them about this throttle issue and they're like, we've never heard of that. And I'm like, I have it on pretty good authority. You've definitely been working on this for like over a year. This is a known issue inside sure. your company. Can you at least send another email were, just to follow up email? Yeah, you were trying As to prepare my last email. I told you so. <laughs> you, you're trying to pretend like, like you didn't know anything about this. And funny, like the only brands that have ever tried to do that to me are American motorcycle brands. And you yeah. just sit there and you're just like, is there something about you guys? Motherfucker, that, like, man. Just, just fucking lie. Like you're just liars. Like I hate a liar. Ego is just, it's just gets in the way of progress. I'm just saying. Can't stand a liar. That's like probably like my biggest pet peeve in the world. I mean, I know we talked about this earlier, but did you know there's new Hayabusa coming? I'm so excited about it. You're jumping the line. I know. I'm just excited. I'm jumping the line. Actually, I think we're, I think that was our next story. Yeah. That's our next story. Yes. That's my last, that's my last little bullet point. It is. New Hayabusa coming. Jane. Dude. I am so excited about this. I am terrified about this. (laughs) <laughs> i am terrified i'll tell you why like i'm i don't know i'm looking at the clock i'm like i'm not gonna get the story out tonight but tomorrow i'm putting out an a&r pro story Ooh, okay that is i haven't figured out the title yet but where the, can people read this uh you go to asphalt and slash pro no 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 that takes you to the sign up page for a&r pro i mean that's where you need to be if you haven't signed up yet asphalt slash premium ah. there you go had to think about that for a second um, why are you why are you terrified? So I think this is the most important motorcycle that Suzuki has released in the last I don't know how many years. Uh let's say decade. Last decade. At least. I'm gonna go decade. Yeah. I mean it's no B King, but it'll do. <laughs> because like Shaheen, I got a whole like romance with a Hayabusa. You and me both. But uh you know who loves this bike more than both of us? Hashtag team man. Really? Dude. She's so Jersey. I oh am, my God. Right? Jersey slash Florida. Oh man. This girl, <laughs> when she sees a Hayabusa, she stops conversating. Like she stops talking with you and looks at it. She treats the Hayabusa the way I treat like a super Legera. And I've told her that it's my namesake. She's like, you better fucking buy one one day. This is my favorite thing about this woman. She's like, you need to buy that bike. <laughs> it's um, when this bike came out, it was the king of the streets. Absolutely. There was a speed war between the Japanese manufacturers. There's a horsepower war. Who can build the fastest, baddest sport bike on the market? And that gave us bikes like the Honda CBR 1100 XX, the Blackbird, the Still Kawasaki legendary. ZX14R, and you know the GSX 1300R, the Hayabusa. Yeah. Some of the raddest bikes that I think have I'm been. I'm a little sad that Honda got out of that game. I'm sad everybody got, well, I was about to say everybody got out of that game, but it, it's sad that that there's like that gentleman's going to like, we're only going to go up to 186 miles an hour. And then like that kind of just stifle the, right. the, the innovation and nothing really happened for like, I don't know how many years, like 15 years. Yeah. Like there's only been like one iterative evolution of the bike. And I wouldn't even say it's a new model. I would just say it's like an update, like just like a refresh. And you sit there and like, it's like no one decided to shoot for the stars anymore and now like you know there's a lot of talk like they're gonna get rid of this model what's happening with hero 5 blah 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 blah. and now they're teasing like we've had so many so many so many so many rumors of what this bike could be right and in my mind unless this bike comes out 
and is the baddest, meanest motherfucker you've ever ever seen. It better be turbo and supercharged. Which is like, uh, that's exactly, because that's a tough thing because yeah. now you have the Kawasaki H2R mm-hmm. and the H2 is a street bike mm-hmm. and those are pretty fucking badass. Mm-hmm. And so the bar is the bar has moved on. Those goalposts have moved. Kawasaki always saw you yeah. know, Suzuki do this, and they're like, "All right, cool, we're gonna do one up." Yeah, they were like, "Fine, now we're gonna build the true hyperbike," and that's what worries me. Yeah, because Suzuki, in my mind, if they just refresh the, the last one, I'm gonna be real yeah. bummed. Yes, Ugh. yes, because if this bike, I'm still gonna love it, but I'm gonna be real bummed if this bike doesn't surpass what the high water mark that Kawasaki has created. And if they do what a lot of people were worried they're going to do, where it's just like, hey, here's the bike. We just kind of, we just put like an extra like 30 cc's into it. It makes like, it makes like 200 horsepower now. It's and, got IMU on it now, guys. You know, yeah, we put an IMU. We put some traction control on it uh, and it looks don't. pretty much the same. And, you know, it's going to be uh, $11,000 because we're basically just using the same old bikes from before. Although if it was 11 grand, that'd be kind of cool. I'll take that cool. back. But it, I could see them kind of fucking this up. Look at the, I mean, the dash, if, I hope the dash is not the indication of what's going to happen, because that's the Hayabusa dash. That, it's a, it's an updated version of the dash. Like, I could. But this is like, a, this is like a revolution of this. That's like just the evolution of the last dash. I think there's certain things about the Hayabusa you can't change. I, I expect this bike to have a very similar bodywork right. style. I want the bubble butt. I think the dash, I think you can get away with not revising the dash too much because it's kind of an iconic part of it. Right. But if this bike doesn't make like 250 horsepower at the rear wheel or something crazy like that, if it's just like Suzuki taking the conservator route, I'm done. I'm Wait, done with Suzuki. Like, <sighs> like there's, there's you, you have let me down too many times with just watered down empty vessel attempts at creating, mm. you know, interesting motorcycles where it's just like, okay, so you're just going to rehash all your shit from now on. Like, that's why I say this is such an important bike because. If they swing for the fences on this, I'll be like, Suzuki's back. These are the guys right. that won MotoGP. Right. These guys are crazy. They're making crazy, insane motorcycles. Look how crazy this Hayabusa is. Oh, my God. Bam. Suzuki grabbing life by the balls. But if they just kind of get out the wiffle bat mm. and take a couple swings, and you're just like, all right, you guys are done. I'm grimacing as you're talking because I, I hope you're. I hope that they surprise us. I hope so, too. Suzuki, just for the last, I'm let's so call it worried. decade, has been fairly conservative about what's come out. They've, they've basically not released anything. The The Gixxer 1000 was an all-new bike. Right. And it was good. It's yeah, not it a bad bike. Yeah, it didn't blow your socks off. I remember, you, I remember when you got it, and I was excited to see a new one. You were like, meh. It's disappointing, especially because of emissions. Like, they kind of got screwed on that. It's kind of, I was going to say it's not their fault, but they could have worked around it better than they did. That bike is definitely a lot better after you chip it. Oh, I'm sure. But like that was like that's like really been like the only like eye watering new bike, and it's good, but it's not great. It's not like it's like the class leader. It's not the king of super bikes like it used to be. So when do we find out next week? Like next Monday, week, Tuesday? like like Friday next week. I am I am a wreck about this. I need to find out. I need to have some good answers. It's a big day. It's a huge day. It's uh, a big team, day. Hashtag Team Man's been having a rough month, and this might be the thing that cheers her up. They are hyping the shit out of this bike, Shaheen. As they should. This was, I mean, this was their king. But that's the other thing. That's why it makes me worry. I'm like, okay, if you're going to hype it, it better be good. I want wings. I want something gold on there. It has to have laser uh, beams. Yeah, it better have at least a supercharger, maybe a turbocharger. Probably both would be awesome. Uh, uh, I, I, it's got to have something. It's got to have something. 
it blow me out of the water. I do like that on the video that it just blows past 180 miles an hour. So it's like, it okay, maybe it's more powerful. I think so. I mean, like, there's a lot of rumors going on. The The original rumor was forced induction. Um, seems like that was an idea for a while and that's gone aside. And well, there's now, been an idea back in the beaking days when that, when that yeah, concept came That was out. supposed to be supercharged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pro the the concept for the B King was supercharged, mm-hmm. and then the B King the B King came out. And what a disappointment that was! It was a bullshit King, is what it was. Uh, the rumor now is this bike will be full electronics, six axis IMU, updated engine, fourteen hundred something CCs, and like everyone's just kind of like, so what does that mean? Is it like we took the current motor and we stroked it and bored it out to fourteen forty, right. or is it? All new engine architecture straight from motor gp technology we're making 300 horsepower per liter and this is a 400 horsepower motorcycle because it's right it better be you I know mean, like which is which one is it going to be and companies like, are making 200 horsepower bikes out of liter bikes so this fucking thing. thing better that's the thing i, I don't it, it's funny i remember when when bmw first came out with s1000 r it was like hi was this the fastest bike no not really this thing will you know kind of go past it and also take turns and stop quicker yeah. So you better if when you're making a hyperbike like this, it's like you know like Kawasaki did with the H2. Just go fucking ape shit. Have fun with it. Drop drop the mic. Yeah. This has to be a drop the mic bike. Drop the mic and walk away. No, like, this uh I I have hopes and it's so funny to hear both of us get really hyped up about this because this is not a bike that either one of us would necessarily buy tomorrow, but we both have I think the same sort of affinity for this thing. If if it's more ostentatious, then a Kawasaki H2R, that goes to the top of the list for me. Oh, I would have to I'd, say, I would agree with you. Like if they put some crazy hybrid curves, push to pass with a turbo and yeah, something four cylinder with a rotary. And I, I mean, I don't know, like give me something like just a, be like a hidden katana in the handlebar. You pull it out and stab people, whatever. Just give me something cool. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm so worried it's not because I look at like the katana. I remember how like because. This feels like the Katana formula. Like they hype the shit out of that Katana. Yeah. And you're like, isn't that just a GSX, GSX-1000F? No, no, no. It's a Katana. With, with different clothing no, on guys, it. No, guys. It's a Katana. It's full on like, brand You just kind of put some body work on an existing bike that wasn't that good of a bike to begin with. Like That's not what I... That bike got a lot of issues. I know. I'm so worried. <sighs> because this is, this is more... Well, I was going to say more important. It's it more is. important to me. It is way more important. This bike, I truly believe that the Hayabusa saved Suzuki back in the day. When it came out with it, it just it it was the biggest piece of news in two wheel uh, industry. And so, I mean, I think we can safely say they're going to cut the weight down. I just saw the curb weight five eighty six for the current model. Wow, <laughs> thick. It's. I bet they can get a hundred pounds off that bike. <laughs> I, like, like, do you think about that though? 486, totally doable. At, totally doable. If they made it 486 pounds at 250 horsepower, that'd be an interesting bike. That's that's not even that interesting. That's totally doable. That's totally doable. I think 1500... What the hell is in the current Hayabusa that makes it that heavy? My fucking Multistrada barely, barely weighs that. It's because the design literally hasn't changed in like 20 years, Shaheen. Just steel frame? That's, that's part of me where I'm like sitting there like, you know, like if they just take current technology and apply it to the Hayabusa like you know all the little things all the chassis improvements all the engine improvements is that enough for this bike right well also oh, that's a question to you well, is that would that be enough like if it made it's fits still like let's call it 1400 cc's the current one's like what 1340 yeah so it gets like 100 cc's more and it makes 220 horsepower at the wheel 
Oh, and it like real horsepower. Yeah, real horsepower. Or maybe it's 220 claimed. I don't know. No, no, I like, I like your first. And it's like better. 450 pounds. Is that enough? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be a pretty respectable bike. I mean, it beats the Kawasaki H2 on paper. Yeah. Close to it. I mean, it'd be lighter. Uh, that would be very interesting. But the question I would have is this. Suzuki has always been one of the more affordable brands out there. They've never had the yes. most expensive bike. So it's very true. Does this mean it's going to be a sub $20,000 bike? Or are they just going to say, fuck it, we're going to make something crazy? And that's the thing I'm concerned about because Suzuki typically conservatively prices their motorcycles, which then makes them not go apeshit on their design. Correct. Correct. So, uh, dang it, I feel like I've already answered a question. Especially when you see like a Ninja H2 at 29500 Right. That's a lot of money. Like, Kawasaki is like, yeah, fuck yeah. It's a special bike. You're going to pay real money for it. No. Um, and they're not expecting to sell like hundreds of thousands of them. You know what's interesting? I, I did this. I don't know if it's still true right this very minute, but a couple of years ago, I did a story like Suzuki sells like a thousand Hayabusa's in the U.S. every year. Like it's just steady Eddie. Like and most of s- them are between Georgia and Florida. Yeah, I'll believe that one 100%. It. I'll believe that one 100%. So it's just kind of funny. We're like, this is a bike that sells. This is a bike that matters oh, yeah. to a certain demographic. Yeah. And like, if you're right, like, if you, it's like 14 grand now. If you take it to to Kawasaki pricing, you're going to double the price. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna kill it. Like those those buyers might not be there anymore. Because no. I mean, think about it. You can buy a genuinely fast motorcycle for that price range, and then do a couple of things to it, and go to the drag race and still be the king. I've seen a guy on a high. I mean, it was a semi pro drag racer, but he took a bone stock Hayabusa. Back in like 2006, and basically strapped down the front end, and then ran a 9.9 second quarter mile on a bone stock Hayabusa. I'll believe that if you know what you're doing. Yeah, like any leader bike should be able to do a sub 10. But the point is, you like he did doing. it with a fairly affordable motorcycle that yeah. that's got a warranty on there, and he didn't have to spend twenty thousand dollars, especially back then. It was like thirteen grand. Yeah. So. You know, that crew, that group that likes to ride that. And if you look at their videos, they're still trying to kind of appeal to that high speed quarter mile type rider. So oh, for sure. I it, I don't know if it would behoove them, but I say that and also remember that there really is nothing in the market in that segment because the H2 is, you know, damn near 30 grand. H2, you've got your ZX14 still, but I think the H2 is the more, I think the H2 is the benchmark. Like you got to be. But the H2 is more of a halo bike. The ZX14 is really the benchmark. I think this is a halo bike. This has to be a halo bike. I agree with you, but I think they're trying to sell thousand of them a year, not a couple of hundred. And I think because of that, they can't really necessarily afford to go apeshit and make it a twenty plus thousand dollar motorcycle. I would like for it to be that way, but that's just not going to be realistic in sales for them. Which which makes me kind of depressed because that answers my question of how apeshit are going to go in the design. Mm-hmm. Historically speaking, not very. But I would like for it to be. I want to see wings. I want to see 300 horsepower on a supercharged motor. But that's going to make it a 20-some-odd-thousand-dollar motorcycle, which then, like, you just can't put $10,000 on the price of an outgoing bike. I mean, you can, but I don't think it'll be good for business. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I don't like that I just made that point. I hate it. That's too grown up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. All right, so Friday, the, I don't know what the date is. For so Friday. when this podcast comes out, it'll be like five days. It's the 5th, February 5th. February the 5th. That's my brother's birthday. All right, on my brother's birthday, we're going to hear about the new and improved Hayabusa. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and stay optimistic. My Peregrine Falcon motorcycle. Yeah. 
I do love that bike so much. It's such a, like, <laughs> it's not what I would buy, but I just want one to say I have a Hayabusa. It's like a Dodge Viper. I want one just to say I have one and then, you know, be done with it. Do you ever see the, um, when the AMA was doing Formula Extreme, mm-hmm. this was like one of the bikes that was in there and there was like a pretty good track prepped Hayabusa and you're like, that looks really good. I had a customer uh, in LA back in the day, like 2007, uh, who had a Hayabusa with Olin suspension on there, forged wheels, and the four into one uh, Yoshimura exhaust on it. And everything on the bike, the bike was just simply silver with black wheels and this, you know, nice looking uh, titanium Yoshi exhaust on it. And he used to take it to the track day. He was a bigger dude. He was like six foot five. He weighed about 280, 290 pounds. And the bike fit him really, really well. And he looked really normal on there, but it looked so good. It looked so, it looked like a Hayabusa on a diet. It just looked mean. And that was the bike I always had in my mind. I know a lot of people think Hayabusa and they think like, you know, eight inch extended swing arm and a big fat tire and, you know, going as fast as humanly possible down, you know, just being catapulted down the, the drag strip. But it's such a cool thing to see a big bike like that just go through, you know, like streets of Willow. <laughs> it makes no sense, but it looks really cool. And dragging parts all the way there. Oh, God, yeah. I'll check this thing out. If I can get this to pop up. Oh, it's so tiny. I don't know if you can see this very well. That looks kind of sick. That's super sick. That looks sick. That's this, pretty much what my customers formula, look like. Except, except his was bike. all silver and black. Yeah. That's a good looking bike. That's a good looking bike. Also, that that front fender, look at it. It's like a beak. Yeah, that's what I like about it. I love it. the Hayabusa front fender. It's just so big and long. It's just designed to cut through the wind as best as possible. It's not like a beak. It's like a fucking talon, man. Right? It's like going to rip your... It's like the, the claw from Velociraptors yeah. on Jurassic <laughs> Park. It's going to rip your intestines <laughs> clever, out. Clever girl. Clever girl. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a, that's how I would do my Hayabusa. You know what T-Man would do? 360 rear tire, 10-inch extension of the swing arm, airbag ride, slam that bitch down. Probably have the entire body, like, I would say like a chrome rose gold. Glitter ball the shit out of it. Fuck yeah. Have sound system on there so it's actually like booming while you're riding it. Oh, this thing says it's 370 pounds, 375 pounds with 250 horsepower at the rear wheel. That is magnificently oh, terrifying race bike. that's like what is that like 2003 that's rad that oh, is super rad i want a busa now <laughs> we should get a brat talk busa and turn it into that brat busa brat busa <gasps> it's so stupid it's almost beautiful oh my god it's you can pick one of those 2003s up for like nothing. nothing for nothing oh god that would be amazing i bet we can get a couple of like companies to sponsor like suspension wheels and Send stuff it to like kramer that. joe and be like listen do the thing go do some give, things give this to kramer diet please thank you <laughs> that would be just terrifyingly fun yeah this one they have can you imagine it being that light but you sit on it and it's still like girthy hayabusa have you ever sat on one it's just like the cockpit is like three feet wide yeah it just it's just so big it's like an sit office on chair <laughs> <laughs> like where's my cup holder uh <laughs> Martha, hold my calls. <laughs> ah. I'm going to be lounging here for a while. <laughs> oh, looks really good. Oh, I'm going to get on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> how did Shaheen and Jensen end up with a high booster in 2021? <laughs> you know, this is how bad or good ideas happen. We could run it. We could run it in Omerum Formula Ultra. Oh, my God. You know? New lap record at PIR at 59 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Just screaming the whole way down the thing. They, um... Oh, it's funny. Uh, you can, you can, in Formula Ultra, you can run a bike on nitrous. 
and you can have and you can run a bike on turbochargers. Like they just are just like they're like whatever the fuck you want to do, and you're like yeah. Why let's is do nobody it. running an H two R in, in Formula Ultra? I think someone. Yeah, that's a good question. I think someone this year is going to bring a bottled bike. A there, there was talk of it. H two R would be amazing. I know they're heavy and big, but that'd be amazing. Uh, okay, we can pick up a two thousand Hayabusa for forty one hundred in Vancouver. I mean, probably has like 31,000 miles on it. More fifty? No, forty-five. Okay, <laughs> but still, you're like, wow, that's a lot. That's impressive. <laughs> I, mean, I bet you can get a real clean low mileage one for sub eight thousand dollars. That's still too much money. That is too much money. I want to stay sub five. Sub five. I'm a little tighter. I'm like, I want to spend three. We we'll go half season <laughs> a sub five one. That's real clean. I could have that. really fun with that. Do that. That'd be so stupid. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's got the Yosh pipe. Of course, it has a Yosh it pipe. Does. It's got to have the Yosh pipe. Oh you do the four goodness. into one with a double exit Yosh pipe. That's six fake. piston That's- calipers <laughs> yeah you need all the stopping power you can on that bike although when it loses all that weight and you still have those calipers your brain's gonna come out of your nose when you hit the brakes 12 kinds of stupid mm. i love it that bike see you would build that bike and then call Hay- uh, suzuki and go guys you see this i did it i did the thing this is the thing you're supposed to do we I did f- the thing you I guys f- should do the I thing fixed it for you yep you're welcome <laughs> uh can we get a cut now <laughs> We'll see, man. Oh, man. Fingers crossed. I, I, I hope so much. I hope, I hope so, much, so much. I have many, many hopes. I'm a man who's had his heart broken before, though. What so. I want to see is the H2 equivalent of a Hayabusa. What we're likely going to see is a evolution of the current Hayabusa because they probably don't want to go past the $16,000 price range because it'll probably be like a 14.9 or 59 motorcycle. How much is a Jixxer? Like eighteen grand, I think a loaded uh, one. Oh, I think the base model is cheaper. No, I'm talking about the loaded one. The loaded one, yeah, the loaded one's the R, the double R. Yeah, the GSX R one thousand R is eighteen grand. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, that's basically the most affordable of the the R, the double R eight, you know, that, Japanese inline that higher spec one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is, and that's the thing. Like, it is the cheapest one, and it's pretty good for the money. For you're the getting money, a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah, and then like another thousand bucks for like an exhaust uncorking it a little bit and a little tuning that's still way cheaper than a cbr 1000 r oh man though the base model is a lot more what the fuck's going on here why is this so expensive suzuki's new website is very good but i'm struggling with it today 14.7 for the base model that's not bad it's not bad at all that's not bad that's the thing suzuki has become like this you know, bargain brand that actually gives you really good value for the money. You're not getting a pile of shit. You're actually getting a good bike. They are the quintessential value brand. I will absolutely agree with you on that. The, because I was like, I was doing that little middleweight thing. I was looking at the V-Strom, like V-Strom, hard to get excited about a V-Strom 1050. But like for nothing. But for, yeah, like what was it? Like it it makes an Africa twin look expensive. I've already, I've already like closed the window. What is it? What's the damn thing cost? I think when I was at the show, it was like 13 grand for like the one with the spoke wheels. Yeah. Where is it? Here we are. Uh, for the 1050, 13400 Yeah. That's a lot of bike for that money, man. That's a great bike for that money. Yeah. And, and it would do decently off-road. It would do the thing I decently. I honestly think the reason Suzuki's still around is because they still make motorcycles that are sort of like bargain price that are decent. Like, you're going to spend maybe like a third less and get a bike that's like 90% there. Well, they give wicked finance incentive yeah. deals like all the time through the, like, you, you can pick up a Suzuki for a steal. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of like that earlier thing we were talking about last year. It's like, eh, it's 18 MSRP, but wait until August, you pick one up for 15. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that, like, uh, like, you're, like your Toyota, like Toyota-thon. Everyone knows Toyota-thon the other year. Like, Once you're going to buy a forerunner or something for like eight grand off during toyota-thon you wish not anymore now you just get a foreigner at msrp instead of ten thousand dollar markup yeah bag of dicks that sounds like a ask me how i feel that's a you problem <laughs> <laughs> um that's why i bought a tacoma that's why I bought a crossing <laughs> fingers i love that bike you and i it's 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 so funny to hear that that's a one bike you and i totally agree on <laughs> what an odd little thing to have a bond with um <laughs> uh, Oh, I closed the wrong window. Oh, nuts. I don't know where, who we're thinking at the end of the show here. Well, I mean, do we, do we, we kind of, I think we're good. Tickled the idea of the Tuareg. Uh, okay. Here's a question for you on that. Okay. Ask. Wait, for who? For you. Oh, okay. So we've talked about kind of like the issues of, you know, KTM with its bikes, bringing them into like its adventure. It's, let's say their street bikes, bring them into like, traditionally dirt dealerships right ducati with the enduro bring right. it into like a very sport bike it's, it's a hell of a hurdle it's a hurdle i think the hurdle is the same for the turag 660 don't you think yeah absolutely they have to make it a point to tell people that this is coming out like a couple of us in the know are excited about it but you know the average rider it you know it's funny i always have to remind myself and my employees that because we do it every day doesn't mean that everybody else understands and knows what's going on in here like to us it's not new news we know this stuff because that's our business and our noses are you know addicts yeah you're we're addicts this is the thing we do but the average joe that rides a motorcycle a couple of thousand miles a year doesn't know everything it's and it's not like you know it's not like the olden days that you you would get your motorcyclist and cycle world and whatever other you know monthly subscription coming to you and you get all the specs and all that stuff now everyone's just on asphalt and rubber that's that's all it is and asphalt (laughs) and rubber can only give you so much information but the point of it is like we even though there's all this extra information where you can get on your phone and get on asphalt and rubber and any other place that gives you all this info people still come to us and go oh my gosh i had no idea ducati had yeah. an enduro bike yeah i remember when i i mean i've said this before but when we went to the tour tech rally people were wondering if i had a custom ducati like wow how does this have knobbies on there like no this is a bike you just buy at the dealership and throw knobbies on it i didn't know those are people crazy. that are in the segment right they these should are people be that in, ride they should be these more things. in the know right so the truth of it is they don't know these things and it's up to the manufacturer to kind of like broadcast and let them know, let, you know, Hey, dear asphalt and rubber and your likes, please take this bike out and write it. So everybody can see what the big deal is about it and why we're making it in the first place. That's where I see Aprilia's problem as being a two-step problem because I think they still have that brand issue. Right. So first you got to get over the, just the Aprilia problem. Right. And then you're going to have to overcome the like, well, this is the sport bike brand and now we're going to sell you an adventure bike problem. Correct. And that's a that's a nut that because previous to this bike, their quote unquote adventure bike was what the Capanord, the Capanord, which was not an adventure bike. Not looks an, like one. Very, it's the Honda, very comfortable sport v, tour. What are the 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 V four twelve hundred? You know, oh, the VFR twelve hundred X. Yeah, not an adventure bike. They look yeah. the same. They kind of have that same idea, but yeah. like ground clearance is a couple of inches. Oh my god, couple super, couple inches. You're being, that, you're being. <laughs> yeah, I'm being like it's almost Harley like. <laughs> And like, you know, super lazy. Let me tell uh, you about a couple inches, Shaheen. <laughs> I'm an expert on the topic. All it takes is a couple inches, Jensen. You know, don't go crazy here. Um, like a tuna can. <laughs> but anyways, I agree with you. I think that this is going to be a new thing for them and they need to be very aggressive about how they market it. They should they should get smart about, 
if you're trying to conquest, and that's really ultimately what this bike is. This is Aprilia's version of saying, hey, we're going to make a motorcycle that's going to conquest this this market and take a bite out of KTM and Honda and all these in Triumph. And the way we're going to do it is by make it lightweight, powerful, full of goodies for a decent price. And maybe hide cocaine inside it, the bodywork. Sold. Just, you know, <laughs> keep down the deal. Keep it down. Keep it down the deal. Don't let, don't let everybody know, but you know, you got some. Um, so one of the biggest mistakes I think these manufacturers make is they expect the dealers to do all of that work. And a dealership can do all that work, but we are, you know, our outreach is only so far. So even for Moto Corsa, it's like 100,000 followers on Instagram and, and Facebook combined. We still have only so far that we're reaching out, you know, regionally and locally. And so especially with the way the fucking algorithms are these days. Absolutely. They throttle you down so hard. So, <laughs> you know, I, I hope crossing fingers that whoever's listening from Aprilia and marketing department says, cool, we need to make a big noise about this bike. Like, you know, put out more teasers now. And who's we, Shaheen? Huh? Who's we? talking about like i'm making i'm I'm making my voice sound like the aprilia marketing people okay we as an aprilia the royal way the royal we is it a royal we i don't know the royal we. i don't think we i don't think we use that correctly no i don't think we did either <laughs> that's why we got rid of their tea that's true <laughs> this is too complicated <laughs> too much work <laughs> i just i hope that they do right by themselves and come up with an aggressive marketing plan of how do we conquest these other the people that are loyal to their brands a ktm rider is going to be a ktm rider a ducati rider is going to be a ducati rider a bmw and a harley more so and so how do you get those people to come be excited about your thing how do you give them a little what is that magic tidbit that'll make them come and check out your wares i think the first step for aprilia is to prove to people that they are a progressively better brand it's not their aprilia of 10 years ago or even two years ago Ducati's had to go through that. I mean, Ducati was known to be just a problematic brand. And then once Volkswagen took over, it took a long time yeah. to convince people that, hey, you can ride this thing and not worry about it. I think Ducati's done a good job of of doing that. Um, I don't think they've done a good job of... I, yeah, I'll stand behind that. I don't think they've done a good job of getting past the sport bike mm -hmm. brandness. Mm -hmm. I think they've done a mediocre job. Mm -hmm. But I think the Enduro is a great example of like, you guys should be selling more of those. Way more. Uh, Hyundai is a great example like to take it a little bit outside the industry. Korean brand struggled with getting buyers to buy it, reliability problems. That oh, you're talking about Hyundai. Yeah. yeah. I thought you said Honda. Did I say Honda or yeah. Hyundai? I meant Honda. And then they were like, all right, you guys don't think our car is reliable? 10-year factory warranty. 10-year factory. Good luck with you. Boop, there it is. Mm -hmm. Great cars. Really and good like, cars. And like the, they've, they've really turned their product line around. They're yep. doing a lot, a lot better. You see, you see them on the road all the time now. Um, it's going to take an investment. It's going to take a better word, commitment. Commitment is actually the proper word. I'm all about the commitment. Shane, yep, hundred percent. That's that's going to take buy-in right from there. everybody. It's going to take buy-in from the manufacturer, the dealer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and 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 I think they should make a good enough bike so that when it comes into the hands of say asphalt and rubber, when you ride it, you can you can be picky about the things because that's your job to make them understand what they've missed out on and to listen to that and fix those things and make it a better motorcycle don't do an ftr 1200 where you're like there's nothing wrong with this bike right and then a year later be like all right there was something wrong with it but only because we said so <laughs> uh shaheen we have some gentlemen of leisure, Ooh, leisure to give shout outs to okay 
Uh, first up is my boy Jim. Jimbo. Jim rides a BMW R9T Urban. Of course he does. And he hails from my former place of domicile, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, big shout out. I would, I would say like, go have an American hero sandwich for me, Jim. But, uh, last time I was in Carlisle, it turns out they went out of business. Oh, the best fucking grinder I've ever I've had. I've heard in my about Carlisle's grinders. They're good. And it's right next to the, uh, army war college. Great little like mom and pop shop. Just out of curiosity, what's the difference between a grinder and a sub? Uh, there is a difference. What is, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, maybe Jim will tell us. Is it like the type of bread? I don't know. I live right next to the Carlisle Tire and Wheel, which oh. is the same company that made the wheels and tires for my trailer downstairs. Oh. So it all comes full circle. Oh, man. Yeah. The circle Good of times. life. Good times out by the tracks. Carlisle's a funny little town. It's a suburb of... Let's put it this way. Carlisle exists because it's an intersection of two freeways, and it's where the national... Or sorry, the yearly Corvette like congregation is. Once a year in the summer, like you like every Corvette in America is in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. And then there's like a law school and a college and an army war college. There's like a correlation between the law school and the Corvettes. No. No. (laughs) I was hoping. (laughs) (laughs) But a big shout out to Jim. Uh, It was it was cool to see Carlisle, Pennsylvania, come across my email box. I haven't thought about that place in a while. Jim. It's been about 10 years. Jim's going to get to read about that uh, Hayabusa story you're going to put up. Yeah. He's a pro member now. Get on it. Um, Next up is Tim. Jim and Tim. Jim and Tim. Tim is a little worried about how often uh, we talk about cleaning our buttholes. Uh, You should be. I'm worried about Tim's butthole not being talked about so much. Is he not cleaning his? To be fair to Tim, he says he also totally agrees with our views. With what? He totally agrees with our our, our views on the topic. Just okay. Just maybe don't talk about it so much. Maybe the frequency is the issue. Interesting. Everybody like the frequency of us talking about it, or how often we clean them. I think the 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 latter. How often we clean them? I have a bidet for a reason, Tim. I think I think I think everyone's on board with the cleaning. Just how often we talk about it. I just think uh, the the merits of having a clean butthole is worth mentioning. Well, this is the reason I never get in our first sign up again. <laughs> I was going to sign up, and then they started talking about buttholes again, and we're like, done. I'm Tim out. brought it up, man. I was sitting here minding my own business. I'm going to go listen to someone else's podcast. <laughs> the, the, the not butthole Does podcast. Does Spurgeon have a podcast? I'm going to go listen to Spurgeon's podcast. If, somebody, <laughs> if Spurgeon made a, a, a podcast and just underneath it wrote, not about buttholes. Not about buttholes. <laughs> Zero buttholes in this podcast. But this podcast has been butthole-free since 1984. Uh, you know, uh, and Spurgeon definitely doesn't talk about buttholes. Spurgeon's the kind of guy that would get those, you know, those like little jewelry things you put on the cat's tail so it hides the butthole. Yeah. He'd be that kind of guy. <laughs> I, just had, never, I just had the image of it in my mind and that, that was all it took to make me laugh. If for no other reason, then he just likes a good farkle. <laughs> She's like, I like to accessorize. It's more of a fartkle. <laughs> yeah. uh, last up is a man who describes who, who is who goes by the name Austin Pooley. Which sounds like something you would have happen to you in the back of a CD club in the UK in the 1980s. <laughs> oh, it gave me an Austin Pooley. Those were good times then. The oh, Austin yeah. Pooley times. <laughs> back of a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> the back of a back of an old Jaguar. Which is really the only acceptable place to have an Austin Pooley. But you and Austin should become best friends. Why? 
because he is the gentleman that posted up on the web forum Shaheen Alvani. I'm into it. Austin, if you're on Instagram, you should do a video of yourself saying. He says uh, he needs some stickers. We need to get him some stickers. I just I just picked up the sticker. Yeah. They're a little different color. The right. first batch were red. These are kind of like purplish red. Oh, really? Yeah. How do we feel about that? It looks nice. I like it. Do we I don't get mind a di- it. Do we get a discount? <laughs> just saying, you should get a discount. Like, if it's not going to be, they probably charge us more because it was more like more, more pigments in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got to pay for that blue ink. Yeah, there's a little blue in there, so that costs another ten cents more per sticker. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we should have gotten a deal. I'm just. I mean, I don't know. No, I'm just happy that I got the stickers finally. Yeah, there we go. And I got some safety third stickers too. Boom. Yeah. There we go. We're set. Uh, if you would like some. Uh, how do people, how do people, I'll put them up. I'll put them up. Uh, I think I have like a, I can't believe I'm saying this. I have an Etsy account. <laughs> I'll put it on there. Actually, I put it on there last time and we sold them out pretty quickly. So I'll put the, uh, I'll Etsy. Put the Etsy just couldn't get enough of it. Huh? Nope. All right. <laughs> well, All our right. listeners really, I posted it up on our Instagram and they were gone like within a couple hours. Wow. Pretty impressed. That's we got some strong followers, man. Do you they... think the purple is going to be a better seller or weaker seller? I think it'll be just as well. You know, it's, so? uh, it's not the color of the sticker. It's they're the, they're it's obviously the going to be limited edition. The limited edition purplish. Yeah, because I promise you the next batch won't be. Yeah, next batch will be listen, <clears> it's going to be red or we're getting a discount. Uh, I need to talk to your designer. Clearly, they are colorblind. I asked for red, and this is what color? Red? Nope, you're fired. Don't let don't make me send in the four legs of asshole over here. Oh, man, she is just wound up and ready to kill someone that doesn't know red or purple. Just for clarity, talking about Coda Kitty. Um. Yeah. So, thank you, gentlemen, for for signing up for the NR Pro. Yeah, much appreciated. Awesome. We can uh, we can uh, feed Coda and not have to give her a pound of flesh instead. She's terrifying if you don't feed her. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We have a listener who put a question up for you. Oh, good. Can I, po- can I post that up real quick? Yeah. You know, we we're just closing down the show, but yeah, absolutely. This is Listen, important. Absolutely I don't want to start a new segment. Gene. Yeah. New segment. Well, you know, this is welcome to Brap Talk, where uh, we just we don't know how to keep it straight. Um, question for you guys, and I think it's mostly for you, to be honest with you. How do you <laughs> ah, nuts? How do you keep focus on your own line on the track versus getting target fixation on a bike ahead? Kind of mm-hmm. like when they have a high speed crash in MotoGP, these guys don't seem to blink when the bike's inches inches in front of them goes uh, low sides or goes you know off the tra- off the track. Good question. So how do you how do you train your yourself? Because we see in a lot of videos or on the street when somebody wrecks, the other motorcyclist just kind of follows them. Yeah. Uh, magic. Magic. And then with that, Shaheen, we say... <laughs> Make good choices. <laughs> um, it's, it's two parts, right? I think one of it is it's a conditioned skill. It's something you have to practice and, and work on. And, it, and it just it's just something that comes with time. Um, and I think the other component is focus. When I'm racing, I am so focused on where my line is and where my eyes are looking for the apex, looking for my visuals, looking for my brake markers that I'm too hyper-focused on what I'm doing to be distracted by what others are doing. And like really the, the bikes that are on the track with me, I only factor them in as like, okay, like do I need, what side do I need to be on them to block past them? What side do I need to be on to draft them? What, you know, how are they going to affect my line if I'm setting up a pass or, where do I need to be in order to stay in front of them? I don't really process what they're doing on the bike in terms of online or offline. 
when you dial it back to say like a track day pace, Mm -hmm. that gets harder to do because I mean, especially like at a track day where you have to like, you know, the, the skill set can vary so widely between who's on the track with you (laughs) that you kind of have to be like, okay, it's like, Hey, is this guy gonna, is he gonna make that break mark? Is he gonna blow this apex? Like what, what is he doing? Is it especially like in the B groups? Cause it's just such you have people that are just too fast for group C and just too slow for group a. Absolutely. Um, there's a great example of this on my personal YouTube channel. Uh, I'm trying to think how you would see this. Um, I think the title of the video is how not to win a middleweight GP race. Omra Wormra at the Ridge, August, 2020. I think it's like the stupidest title. Nice short title. Yeah. Nice and short. Easy to roll (laughs) off the tongue. You put in some amalgamation of those words and I think you'll find it, (laughs) but you'll see in the opening lap, like a minute into the video, whatever turn five, we're coming in with a bunch of bikes and there's a racer that totally blows the line. And I remember being in that moment and you can kind of pick it up on the video. Like I do kind of chase him mm-hmm. with, with target fixation. Um, and part of it was because we were like three or four bikes wide. There's like a group of us and I'm trying to like scuttle my way through him. Cause I had the, the reason the title is so like that is because I had like the worst start of starts. Uh, I was P eight P nine going in into turn one from pole position. Oh man. I totally bought I was asleep. I like the, <laughs> the flag drops. There's like a second count and then I go and it's oh, just, Oh shit. I'm supposed to ride. I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> I never, cause it's warmer. Warmer starts differently than Omer does. And I right. never experienced it before. And I totally wasn't looking in the right place. So that's, that's the explanation. Huh. So part of that was like, there's a cluster of us bikes. I'm pushing really hard to get past them. And one of the riders, uh, blows his brake marker. He probably could have made the turn if he if he tried, but he stands the bike up and goes off the track. And you'll see me target fixate for like a hot second, right? And then that's where like that training comes in, where it's like I'm kind of something like, okay, I'm I'm visually following him, and I make a conscious effort to move my head from looking at him to moving my head. Well, I probably shouldn't do that while I'm doing the microphone to move my head towards the apex, right? To be like, okay, I'm not going to watch this guy go off the track. I'm going to focus on where my brake marker is. And and where these other two three bikes are, so I can get past them. What have you done to train yourself to do that? Is there a specific thing, or is it just practice, practice, practice? I think it's just practice. I think the biggest thing is just knowing when you're doing it, which is super hard. Like that's like, like I feel like it's human nature when you see something shitty totally. happen, you turn and look at it. It's totally, and and that's one of the reasons why you don't have mirrors on on bikes at track days mm-hmm. because people will look at their mirrors and they say like, "Don't turn around." Like there is a little bit of a skill, especially if you're a control rider. Of, of being able to look behind you like on a straightaway right. to see where you're, the person you're coaching is. Like that is a learned skill because most people, if they do that, they start veering off the track and they'll hit something. Oh, yeah. Uh, so being able to stay, not looking where you're going and staying in a straight line is actually quite difficult to do. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, like I think everyone on some level it is a constant thing that you have to fight. Um, but it's easier when you're pushing harder and you're more focused, you know, like, cause I've had, I've had racers. In fact, if you watch that same video, uh, like second to last lap, I think, um, I'm coming up on Alex and he does the same at the same turn, does it a little bit differently, but he blows that turn as well. Hmm. And he takes a really wide line 
And at that point, like I was hunting him down. I was working so hard and trying to get my, my line so perfect to catch up to him. Cause again, I'm coming from like nine spots back to catch mm-hmm. back up to him that like, it was a lot easier for me to not get distracted by him going wider than normal because I'm sitting there going like, this is my time. This is my moment. Pounce. Right. Here's my line. And I, and actually I'm very cognizant of like, okay, now I'm on the inside of him. He's going to come back to the apex. I need to make sure like we don't come together. If he doesn't mm-hmm. see me coming from behind, it's like a different kind of awareness. Um, but it helps when you're, you know, going 10 tenths and you're, I mean, it's, it's like motorcycles in general. Like there's like, like being in the present, mm-hmm. the more in the present that you are, the easier it is to kind of, uh, to do that. But it's also like, there's gotta be a little mental switch that you develop that, that takes your brain off. Like, Hey, that person's about to crash. Don't watch the crash. Don't watch it. I mean, they tell you in like, sort of like motorcycling one one your bike will go where your head is going. Totally. So if you turn your head to the right, the bike is going to tend to go to the right. And if a wreck is happening and it's your line should be to the right, you should force yourself to look that way. I think, I don't know if this is really true, but I'm kind of thinking out loud. There comes a point too where like you've seen enough crashes. Right. That's not a novelty anymore. Like I remember like the first person that crashed on the racetrack with me. Like I like lost my mind. I'm like, oh my god! Like, what's going on? Like, this is a huge deal. Devastating the first time, you know. Yeah, and now you're like, especially like racing. Like, what person crashes every race? (laughs) Like, I've had like every weekend someone crashes in front of me. Oh yeah. So you kind of like, well, you know, oh they crashed there. Okay, yeah, that happens. Okay, (laughs) move on. But um, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's not an easy thing. You know, I wish I could tell you like, oh, you do X, Y, and Z, and it's easy peasy. That's not. I think I think writers of every skill level deal with it to at least some extent. You know, maybe it's a different level of difficulty, but it's always there. I think that was a pretty good question because I, That's good. you know, it's it's interesting. You you know, we were watching an old GP race, and you know, just chaos happened, and the riders just went through like nothing happened. Yeah, and uh, you know. But like on the streets, you see it all the time, or even on a on a track day, on a on a group, especially group B or C track day, when somebody has a low side or a high side in front of you, the rider immediately behind them just follows them. Oh, totally! I you remember know? my uh, my fr- my rookie season. Uh, it was like the third race, fourth race I'd ever done, mm-hmm. and that happened to a bunch of guys behind me. Um, uh, a rider actually hit me. Because they made a mistake. And then the two riders behind him also crashed. There's three riders who crashed in that turn. <laughs> and I got lucky and didn't crash with them. I just got scuffed up off my leathers and my bodywork huh. uh, from the tire, which is hilarious. But it was that same thing where, like, you know, the one guy hit me because he he was target fixated on me and he was making a pass. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, in a spot you shouldn't pass at, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but then the riders behind him, they watched that trash and they got spooked and that set them up. And you can see that in MotoGP too. Like there's, there's a couple crashes last season where you see someone crash and the guy right behind them also crashes because they see the guy go down. So they check up or they hit the brakes. And because they're so on the knife's edge of traction, right? you know, just a little blip of the, of the brake, just a little hiccup with the chassis oh, yeah. is enough to drop the tire and you see like okay what would have been one person crashing is now two because of like that almost instinctual reaction that the right. second rider undertook that's tough i mean like 
that's that's your reflexes. Like, how do you train your reflexes? Practice. Yeah. You got to keep doing it over and over. It's like training a, a, a hunting dog not to be afraid of the gunshot. Yeah. Right? It's just got to keep doing it so you don't winch. Wince, wince. That. I saw that happening in the park yesterday. What's that? A guy training his Labrador. Oh, really? As a, as a hunting dog. Just lots of loud noises around? Or yeah, he's using that, a whistle. Dang? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No. It's really just like, for me, it's really just focus. And and trying to be mentally aware of when I'm doing it. And I, I mean, I still do it. And I've been right on the track for, gosh, how long? 45 years. 15 years, 18 years. I don't know. 18 years. Um, Man, your, your track writing career is old enough to vote now. And get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's a twofer. Can't drink it. Can't drink it. Yeah, no. But you can go fight a war. Um, but yeah, I think biggest thing is just recognizing it and working on that. And knowing that your, your bike goes where your eyes go, like you said, Shane. Hmm. You know, practice, 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 and you will get better at riding your motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, next week, I'm gone. Yeah, you are. I think are we're going to. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare, but it'll be fun. I mean, that's just welcome to your world. It's a lot of driving. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to throw... A show we've had on the back burner for a while. Yeah, we've been holding on to that. That's been in the freezer in the back the, of the freezer. Yeah, for a while. back of the freezer. We're, we're gonna thaw th- it out slowly. Don't yeah, burn it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh we talk about the super I don't know what else is in that show. We'll probably have to edit some stuff out. Oh man, I'm, I'm excited to hear. Motor GP season's unreal. And you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that'll probably be a little filler. So when we get back, we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll have a new booster to talk about. Oh yeah. I'll have written the Rebel Eleven Hundred from Honda. Nice. The Multistrada V4 from Ducati. Ooh. I'm sure some other stuff will happen. I'll have written that by then, too. I'm supposed to get our oh. demo by next week. What time next week? Friday-ish. Ah, I'll already be gone. I know. But sure. we'll have something to talk about because we'll have both written we'll it. Both to, we'll have to compare notes. Mm. I'm, I'm intending on putting a couple of hundred miles on it the first weekend we have it. Wow. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I put uh-huh. it out there, too. I'm like, don't anybody else touch this fucking bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. That'll be really good. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be a good show. Um... I feel like there was something else that was going to happen that we're going to miss. No, I think it was just the Hibusa. Yeah. So. I'm excited. I'm excited for that next recording because we'll have a lot of neat, fun things that we have discovered. We'll have two weeks of stuff to talk about, so it'll probably be a long one. And I think, oh man, I'm just thinking about the editing that has to happen for that Super show. It's probably just the Super segment at this point. <laughs> It'd be like a 20-minute show. So hopefully those two <laughs> things balance out for you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. I don't even remember what we talked about. I don't either. I, I know we talked about the Supergera. That's all I remember. Yeah. I have such a short memory. I'll forget what we talked about tonight. Dude, I can't even remember what I had for dinner. <laughs> you on. haven't had dinner yet, Jensen. See, there you go. <laughs> I'm worried about you. <laughs> Me too. Somebody get this guy a burger. Ooh, that sounds good. Jim and Tim took care of you. I don't think I have a... I don't have the calories for it. Yeah. Killing me with this Mountain Dew Honda. All right, let's get out of this. All right. Make good choices. Uh, Safety third. Follow, follow us on us. social media. You'll find it. <laughs> just find look, it. Just look for it. You'll at find Brap it. Talk, Instagram, <laughs> at WeBrapTalk, Twitter, at WeBrapTalk, at gmail.com, and on Facebook, BrapTalk Motorcycle Podcast. Excellent. Nice. Good talk. See you Good out talk. there. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay. Do the safeties of the third time. Okay, bye now. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Oh, gosh.
Don't get your boots wet. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You know. You know what they say about motorcycles. They're oh. dangerous. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Don't. Bobby, make sure you wear a helmet, Bobby. Are you still recording? Yeah. <laughs>